road leads? Then hear this, all ye people. Give ear, all ye inhabitants of the world, both high and low, rich and poor together. Do you indeed speak righteousness? Do you judge uprightly, all ye sons and daughters of men? And do you judge as others judge? For as you judge, you shall be judged. And if you condemn, you are condemned. Pass on. But there is no return. Hey guys, thanks for listening to the show. Before we get to this week's episode, we just want to beg you one more time to please rate and subscribe to our show on whatever platform you listen to us on, iTunes, Google Play, whatever it is, it pretty much means everything to us and we really, really appreciate it. So thanks for listening. Enjoy the show. And as always, the podcast is brought to you by McDonald's Family Restaurant. McDonald's, America's number one Irish restaurant. There's no potato famine here. No, our fries are ready to go. And our burgers, they have tiny onions on them, just like they do in Belfast. And slathered in catsup, just like Dublin. McDonald's, aye, me matey, a taste of Ireland. Hey guys, thanks for listening to Profession Confession. Before we get into this week's episode, I want to say this is our first guest that we got from them reaching out to us, which is really exciting because I think this is uh, my new favorite best show that I say all the time. But really, um, we, we really want to hear from you guys. She found us online and reached out to us, and uh, we couldn't be happier with the result. Now, I should say because I'm sure people will be sensitive about it. Obviously, this is extremely sensitive subject matter treated insensitively because that's what we do. I'm not saying that rape or child molestation is funny. I'm just saying it can be because you laugh at it because it's so fucking horrible. Um, We don't do a podcast where we all just sit around and cry. Um, But that said, I still want to sort of say that our guest was very adamant that how much she thinks and talks with victims and just how much they figure into her everyday work. And I didn't want to diminish that or because it probably did make the cutting room floor just because we don't want a podcast where everyone cries the whole time. And maybe we don't do that right, but God damn it, we're trying. And I've been affected by those sort of crimes, not me personally, but um, I mean, you know, very close people. So I'm not trying to be insensitive to it. It's just... It's not what we're trying to do here. So anyway, thank you guys for listening. Please share and please rate on iTunes. That is so valuable to us. And uh, enjoy the show. And if you know someone who's good to be on the show, God damn it, reach out to us. Thank you. On this episode of Profession Confession, her job, she's a, well, she probably never gets to feel sexy. We have our guest, Frankie who is a sex therapist for prisoners and outpatient. What do you do exactly? <laughs> I can't remember. I've already forgotten. No, I know the gist of it. But, yeah. yeah. Uh, for many years, I worked with a variety of mostly men. I had one uh, female person who committed a sex offense that I worked with. Oh, that was one of my questions. One of my yep. main questions. And so I did um, that in an outpatient setting for a few years out west okay. and then also worked in a prison setting doing sex offender treatment. Okay. So and then as for sex offenders, we're talking rapists, child molesters, 
what are the other categories that you'd put them in? Oh, I mean, those are the biggies. Yeah. Okay. Um, rapists, child molesters, um, fortage, voyeurism, peeping. What's fortage? Fortage is like rubbing against someone. That wouldn't be something maybe that's Like toddlers do, do that a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Really? Um, fortage. <laughs> that sounds um, so There's elegant. so many. There's so many possibilities of that. that Here's something I shouldn't talk about. I was, <laughs> I had a very small <laughs> period where some older boys told me about being a peeping Tom. And I'd uh, walk around and look in windows, not like a fucking weirdo. I shouldn't even talked about this at all. <laughs> if you went around looking in windows at all, that no. means you're a fucking weirdo. Yes. No, I know that means that. Okay. But I'm trying to dance around that I wasn't like a, it was like a, uh, we'd walk through the backyards and like we'd stay away from the house, but you'd look through the picture window and stuff like that. And it was just really, fu- it was funny. Just yeah, you'd see I people. Do that. It wasn't for sexual kicks. It was like funny. I, don't I know do that, that. Be- now as a grown up, just to see how they decorate yeah. their house. Me too. <laughs> so, Fortage? Yeah. Is that what that's it's called? Voyeur, it's voyeurism. voyeurism. Right. Yeah, it's just voyeurism. And I think we're very voyeuristic. And so yes. some of that stuff is super just almost ingrained in us well that's why reality tv is right huge because right. we all are like that yeah what so actually i should set the table who's here we have our guest frankie um you just heard from her our co-host this week it's a woman hey guys Woo-hoo. it's colleen the very hilarious colleen justice hey and Tevin, as always. That didn't sound as funny as I wanted it to be. <laughs> they can't see you bouncing your shoulders. Yeah. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> funny thing about a podcast. Cool. Yeah. So there are so many questions with this one. This is one of them that I was so excited when I heard you're going to be back in this area. So um, thanks for coming on. I basically don't even know where to spend or to start, but I'm so blown away by the fact that you sit with you know, people who society deems monsters. First of all, do you look at them as monsters at all? Is that possible as a therapist? It's, I, there's some of them that definitely stay with me as like what I would say would be like the boogeyman monster type individual. And, um, you know, I can say more about what that person mm-hmm. would be. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Please. Um, I mean, that. Yeah. So I think that. one, one man in particular stands out in my mind, which was like the only man that I had really worked with who had stranger offenses against other men. So he raped strange, stranger men. He would lure them back to his trailer for a bonfire. And then the last man that was hanging out, he would rape. Really? Mm. And <clears throat> he was so incredibly frightening looking. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that oftentimes it was just being in his presence was like that shuddering sort of, this man is really, really scary. And I said I was going to keep him separate, but already this leads into one of my questions, okay. which is like, so child, child molesters in general, my opinion has always been, if you are wearing khakis with a sweatshirt tucked into it with no belt, he's a pedophile. Like, I've never met a pedophile who hasn't felt overwhelmingly like a pedophile. Have you ever been really tricked? Yes. Yes? And I don't, I think while there's like that traditional idea of like what a pedophile looks mm-hmm. like, I have been tricked and there, it's a whole gamut. It's not that stereotypical, really dorky glasses, you know, pants right. hiked up. Right, rim glasses. Right. Yeah. Um, it runs the whole gamut where I've seen like what I would say would be relatively attractive men who, in my opinion, wouldn't have difficulty 
maybe getting into a getting relationship. Getting adult people. Yes. Right? Yes. Look so, at Jeffrey Dahmer. Right. So, well, yeah. Don't you think, though? I mean, I think that there is there is those those serial killers are the most successful, or like the handsome ones. They're the, they they woo you in because we have this idea of a boogeyman in our mind, and when it's this handsome guy that wants to help are, us out. Are you out, trying to make a case that Jeffrey Dahmer is attractive? He wasn't bad looking. He wasn't a pedophile either. Well, he was. Well, I, I thought guess. he was. Uh, that 16-year-old boy, whatever. Yeah, he had a young, underage what, boy. Yeah. I don't know if they classified him as a pedophile, but maybe. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I do, okay. <laughs> personally. <laughs> um, so how about that? Let's go over some of those stereotypes and things. That was one I was thinking about. Like, you know, yeah, so so you're saying you have met a charismatic pedophile before. I was like, walked in and said, hey, Frankie, you look great today. Oh, <laughs> I've met many <laughs> characters. Or, um, yes. Okay. Yes, very much so. Um, where oftentimes, like, they were the ones that would, like, groom the parents. And so there would be this long relationship, this almost, like, courting process of getting closer to children. There's also a lot of men who would um, specifically sort of target single mothers and really lay it on thick and right. be super charming, super willing to help out, um, take over some of the responsibility from a single mother. Yeah. All in the process of trying to groom the mother to get to the child. So um, how conscious do you think that effort is? So I'm just speaking to my experience as um, a drug person. When when I have been uh, not doing well, I've, I'm not trying, like I would never go out and go like, I want to do drugs again tonight. But you sort of just find yourself putting yourself in that situation. You kind of, and a little impulse will come up and go like, no, you shouldn't, you know, go to this thing. But you just, eh, whatever, let's go to this thing. Do you think it's similar for me and pedophiles? It's exactly this. Yeah. <laughs> hmm. Well, I think what you're talking about is like start stepping into like a slippery slope that leads to like the thing that you don't want to happen. In your case, drugs. In their case, children. But right. But but I'm saying, how many do you think are just doing the narrow eyes, look in each direction, like, ah, where's a kid who I can go track? You know, where it's a conscious evil plan. I think oftentimes that's what it is. Yeah, that's what it is. That that the arousal and the excitement really comes from planning and getting close to children. And so that whole, like, period in there is really all fodder for fantasy and... All sorts of things. So, right. do you would you equate? So, he puts like the how he kind of how he would try to put himself in situations. Would you classify being a pedophile like being an addict? Is it a sexual addiction or is it a, is it just what how, would yeah. you say it's the same like similar or I don't. I think the idea of like sexual addi- addiction is kind of different, and I'm not sure that's like fully explored. But I don't. I think on some level, pedophilia doesn't become a choice and becomes something that is just habitually sort of, yeah, compulsion. And the idea of like fantasizing, masturbating, orgasming to certain things is like in itself conditioning a certain um, arousal and behavior. And that in itself over time can be very difficult to to undo and that's where people are probably like can you treat pedophiles can you success and I don't know if you can I think in my experience and in the field people would say they learn to manage those behaviors it's kind of like an addict that you really just for your lifetime needed to manage that but don't put yourself around kids and don't put yourself around kids and then it's really up to us as people to catch I'm doing great I just got a job out of preschool (laughs) I think I'm like no yeah (laughs) Do, do you so 
Um, how about just the root of this? Um, you know, there's the big thing, are pedophiles made or are they born? You know, what, I don't know, how does that stack up in your experience? Yeah, that's a good question. So like nature versus nurture, which yeah. is a huge, yeah. And I'm sure there's some both, or I don't know, is there? Are people born pedophiles? Or are they pet? Are they, were they a victim to pedophiles? Well, that's a common question. Yeah. And it's not, it's it's kind of a um, myth that more people have been sexually abused that abuse others. It's not that, it's really? not that common. And it's particularly not that common in pedophilia that they themselves have maybe been molested as a child. I'd say it's like 20 to 30 percent. Um, 20 to 30 percent have, have been, been molested. Yeah, okay. that's what the general, you know, right. I've seen like 40 percent. Um, but I think that's generally the idea. So it's not a huge portion of them. That makes me uh-huh. so happy in a weird way because I want to hate these people so much. But then you also have that side of what happened to them to make them so dark and right and just like a monster. Like you can't imagine someone's just that way. Something yeah. had to happen. Yeah. How do you view these people? Like, I mean, you know, or how did you find out that you had the stomach for this job? Yeah, that's a good question. Um Get so ready. there's a whole bunch more of them coming. <laughs> You're gonna get sick of saying. I um, well, I went to a Catholic university, and for my undergraduate, okay, this is this is mm-hmm. this is where it started. And uh, nun said to me, and I loved her dearly. She said, "You have to do the work that no one else will do." And I think I just sort of went from there. Went to grad school. There was an assignment to go to something that you didn't think you could handle. Um, and so I chose a sex offender group. It was either going to the sex offender group or the burn unit on a children's ward. Oh, oh my forget God. It. No. Sex offender no. all the yeah, way. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Without right. a doubt. I'd right. like to see burnt sex offenders. Yeah. Well, because you can't hate right. the burn right. victims. You can hate the sex offenders. Right. So, I couldn't. Right. No. Yeah. But then just also, which is so common in our society, is just like how um, sex offending behavior had impacted my family. Like, you know, I mm-hmm. come from sisters, I come from a mother, I come from all sorts of women who have had experiences like that and wanted to understand those things too. So went to this group, sat in the group and realized that I actually could have some level of humanity right. and mm-hmm. see that in them. Um, and, you know, I'd say that there's times that you feel like I feel genuine compassion and, mm-hmm. and um, empathy for them as people. Um, and I'm not sure there's a whole lot of people that could really do that. And so I felt like if I had the capacity to do it, I should do it. Yeah. And have that experience. And that's kind of That's how incredible. How many, um, I guess, I was going to say, like, how many of these people do you find compassion in? Or, or how many of them feel bad about what they're doing or don't want to do, you know, think like they're a monster who's out of control? Yeah. The, the treatment of sex offenders is a, is a lengthy process. So at any given time, they could be at different stages. Um, most of the treatment I provided was in group. And I think that's just an interesting thing to think about when you, when you are sitting as the only woman in a group of men that are 10 people who have committed sex offenses for a variety of them. And that most of the therapy and most of the treatment is done, being done in that setting um, oftentimes, now I can't even remember where you started. What the Just question? like, like um, if they ever, so. Oh, the compassion. Yeah, empathy. compassion. Yeah, so you, um, there were moments, you know, there's moments where you see one of the very first things they have to do in group is to do an introduction and disclose what their uh, offense was mm-hmm. right off the bat. And so the first couple days in group, if they're a new guy, they're going to be talking 
about that. And there's certain words that are preferred over others and the men, but watching What's someone... What's an example of those words, if you don't mind? Um, um, like, you, if you said something like, I stuck my tongue in her vagina... Oh, Jesus. Okay. That would probably not be appropriate to say about a child. Yes. And so you would That's say... That's what I learned. Right. You would say instead, I put my mouth on oh, her vagina, which is ghoulish. not... Right. But, but, but I get less, it. Right. I get it's <laughs> less graphic. Yes. Less graphic. And, and so you ca- you're working on all of these things at first, but to watch a man just struggle to accept responsibility for something that they did and that's a whole process and it's tough because you really have to be on top of your stuff in group to call them on it because they'll constantly try to minimize certain behaviors absolutely they don't want to look no one wants to be the pedophile in a group full of statutory rapists right yeah i was gonna say do people in the group are like you stuck your what in a Three-year-olds what? Yeah. I mean, like... At, at least I bought my rape victim dinner. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. She yeah. was over 18. No, I don't jump out of women yeah. at parks. There's I bought them be dinner. Like, there's like the definitely same. a prison hierarchy, and child molesters are at the bottom, for sure. Are they still? Yes. And recently, you know, I've read a few things about prisons all over the United States, but recently uh, the sex offenders are ganging up. And so prison, you go, to, you go to prison and you join a gang. You join some other connection, social connection. And so in some prisons in California, they, the sex offenders were forming their own gangs. Um, the lamest so, gang of the bunch. <laughs> so um, Colleen and I talked a little bit about this because we were all excited beforehand. And we were on the phone yesterday. And one of the things we talked about was um, – and I, I don't know if I can talk about the experience I have, but um, that made it sound like it's me and it's not. But um, they're doing something that obviously they are very excited about, a lot of these people. It's something that they had to keep a secret all the time. And now they're sort of like, they're guilty. It's out. Do you ever feel like they're like a kid? trying to show you a video game that they love like kind of like oh and then I, you know do you ever get a sense that they're kind of enjoying spilling the beans yes 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 yeah. yes that's got to be it's uncomfortable and i'd say it happened for me particularly it happened less in a group setting but more in an individual one-on-one right. setting but then there's i'm also trying to cultivate that on some level as well like i'm not right. with their offense and not with the dynamics of their offense but i'm trying to cultivate a healthy sexuality and where does that start and what does that look like because in many cases they don't have the experiences to draw from for their fantasies so they have you have to work with them to sort of cultivate healthy fantasies and that is an awkward position to be yes in. and, and I, I mean I suppose you have to encourage truth to you know to have that trust and that level what um, and this is one of those questions that whatever what is are there things that stick out that you've heard that just have curled your toes more than others when they are honest like that? Like their offense yeah. stuff? Yeah, or just whether or fantasy. it's fantasies or all those things yes. because, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and um, I think the heart, I think, I think they're less likely to talk about the deviant stuff outside of the offense, like what's obvious in the offense mm-hmm. details and the deviancy there, but it takes a lot of work Mm -hmm. and in most cases outpatient treatment does polygraphs to kind of get at some of the behavior that they're not even going to share with me even though I'm meeting with them for years sometimes um, yeah that there's still so much shame and just layers of secrecy 
Oh, that's like anything. If you fucking my wife catches me eat like eating in her car or something like that, like I won't tell her it's McDonald's. I'll say it's something else so I don't get in as much trouble. So I get it. But I learned same the thing. It's exactly the same thing. Mm-hmm. Well, terrible. Same consequences for me. <laughs> I learned a trick early though, which was um, not to visualize. So like when someone's telling oh. a story, sometimes you start if you're like imaginative and creative, you start imagining details of the story, which I normally would do. And I realized early on that if I did that as a as someone was telling me the very gruesome details, like down to very, very detailed information, if I tried visualizing that, then it disturbed me for too long. Do you, so you have children? Yes. And so did, did you always have children doing this job or did you have children as, did it change you how you perceive these people once you had children? Yeah. So during the course of this time, I had two children. So... Um, when I was doing outpatient, I was pregnant and gave birth. And then when I was working in a prison, I was pregnant and gave birth, uh-huh. but didn't come back. So, um, yes, I experienced it very differently. The um, the second, my second child was more difficult in that sense because I have been more interested in kind of learning about the process of what is heard and experienced in utero. That was just something really interesting yeah. to me. And so I had read information about like that they can recognize sounds and voices yeah. and certain, and that really started kind of freaking me out because I'm spending two hours every day Ugh. with the same 10 men for nine months. And um, yeah. it started kind of bothering me towards the end. So I did like leave. But what was interesting is that I was saying that like, I can't be an effective therapist. Someone should help me. I'm eight and a half months pregnant. I'm coming into a prison. Um, And people weren't really willing to like, say you could go on leave or you could. Sure. um, Did you find that you were, did you feel that you were a less effective as a therapist once you had a child? So you had a child and then you got pregnant again and then you subsequently left. But did you feel like your your compassion lessened or your ability to be more open to why they are the way they are changed yeah, once yeah. you had your own? Yeah. No, I don't because I actually feel like what happened was I was I had like a new personal experience to to add to the desire to like because therapy is such a holding up of a Mm -hmm. mirror and it's like them looking at this mirror and and not having been a mother and not having had children I couldn't understand always what that was like to have your child molested by Mm -hmm. you know a stepfather or some and so I think on that level it just sort of opened me to be more aware and cognizant of certain things that Mm -hmm. were part of that dynamic oftentimes men sort of projected certain things onto me mm-hmm. and and that would change based on the therapist and so for me it was typically kind of like a sister best friend mom sort of thing where some of the other women would get like girlfriend wife you know sort of those projections I tended to stay in like You're a nurturing. You would view you sort of more removed because you had children. Yeah, and just yeah. my pr- my presence, just sort of how I was therapeutically. Okay. I feel like in some ways I was more of like the sister aunt. So you were turtle- you were turtlenecks. I was. We did, I would say we, I would know as a woman yeah. I would go in there in a burka. <laughs> I well, that's part of my embarrassing stories. Is I have a, a horribly embarrassing story is that I sat the entire group 
with, I was wearing a dress that had a zipper that went from my armpit down to mm-hmm. the top of my hip. Oh, no. And I sat with it open the entire oh. time. <laughs> with a red lacy brawn or something. <laughs> did I had colored underwear? Did you? Oh. Yes, I did. <laughs> yes, I did. And I, the whole entire group. And so. Why does everyone here have a boner? <laughs> <laughs> Are you talking about here? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the uh, entire left side of the group had total view of side bra and underwear. You know how you knew they weren't ready to be passed? Like they didn't pass their test because they didn't tell you. They just let you with it yeah. open. You're like, you all <laughs> failed. This is a test and you've all failed. I literally walked up to my office, put my stuff down be- before oh. another therapist came to me and was like, you're totally open. You're exposed. Oh. So, yeah, I know. <laughs> and? I was testing them. Right. Well, they didn't care because she was over therapy. the age of 16. So. <laughs> yeah, right. So, so is that a thing with sitting in group with a rapist? Um, you know, do they ever tell you honestly? Like, you know, I go back to my cell and I jack off. To, oh. You know what I mean? Oh, those. and or, Okay, so settle it? down, Gabe. <laughs> yeah, you, that was a great <laughs> You guys settle. You ask women questions. I'm going to ask fucking guy questions. <laughs> So they have to do um, sex journals, they're called. And they have to do X amount of sex journals. <laughs> Maybe you should call them something else. <laughs> that just seems open to a consensual lot. Consensual sex journals. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so they have to do these these journals. They're like, it's really, um, you know, a cognitive behavioral type therapy that's done where you would write your fantasy and then you would kind of work through it to try to come up with a healthier <laughs> outcome. It was like those those books where you're like, the, the pick the door or pick your own adventure. <laughs> Choose your own adventure, yes. And it would have a series of questions that could walk you through various ways to kind of rethink your your and work at consent like making sure it's consensual and it had all the healthy appro- is there, appropriate is boundaries. there any way you'd have like a really old one that we could read I sometime? don't have God an old sex she journal. has a stack of sex journals well or send us that we okay. can read it later no I don't have no. an old I don't I did bring my um, research paper, my grad school research paper. Oh, let's read it. <laughs> <laughs> but say it in a really soft, sultry yeah, exactly. voice if um, you could. The effe- efficacy <laughs> of sexual offender treatment mm. using minimal arousal conditioning. Mm. Are you interested in. in minimal arousal conditioning? I'm minimally aroused at all times. I don't even know what that means. But <laughs> Ask Mrs. It. Noah. It's the use of rotting meat to decrease their deviant arousal. Wow. And so they would, um, in these cases, carry around a jar of rotting meat. Oh. And when they experienced a stimulus that they didn't want to be aroused to, they would take a whiff of the... That's a real thing? A real thing. Wow. Really? Yeah. So if you see someone with that a jar of rotted addiction? meat... Even, <laughs> I just fucking... Whatever. Fill your nose with coke. Um, so if you see someone with a jar of rotted meat, you'd think they're creepy already but now you know <laughs> the they psychology were, behind it it's know. even worse yeah they're really they get good at doing it very very discreetly because really? they don't want to draw attention to themselves they got meat baggies <laughs> they got oh little jars God. you know in their bags do, yeah. do so you know going towards treatment things one of the and i can't remember if i talked to you about this i think i just started to have contact with this guy and i'm still in contact with him but we we made you a show with a guy who's a self-identified pedophile hmm. and He's doing this thing where he's, you know, he's trying to de- to destigmatize the word pedophile. <laughs> okay. Right. Oh my God. I know. Hey, hang on. Hear me okay. out though, because that, for that was my reaction as well. The most ghoulish. <laughs> I got know. a bad. It's cool. It's not so bad. <laughs> Listen, I'm not on his side. I so sounds kind of like you, like you are. I'm trying to. To, to understand because I'm a more evolved person than you. Men are more evolved than women are. But, <laughs> I have heard no. that, though. Yes, that, that is yeah. true. That part's true. So, um, <laughs> but he did have 
somewhat interesting point in there because I was, of course, repulsed. And when I wrote him, I told him that. I was like, I just want to beat the shit out of him. Is he a pedophile or is he an advocate for pedophiles? He is or he self-identifies. He says, I am a pedophile. Okay. I do not want to be this way. This is my worst nightmare. I... But the truth is, I am I am attracted to um, pre prepubescent boys. I have have never acted on it. I never will act on it. Um, but essentially, I want help, and I want to be able to be open with it. Whatever. That's an extremely healthy thing. And sure. again, the drug thing that I use everything for is that shame. Like I never met a junkie who wants to be a junkie. You all want to be out of it. But the shame component gets so vast. Like. I think people never think of it this way, but there's points where it's like, I am as miserable as miserable gets. But the idea of telling the truth is you lose everything. You lose your standing. You lose trust. You lose every person you meet. Like, I knew when we had that conversation eight months ago, you were high on drugs. You know, and, and there's so lack of understanding. It's just shame. It keeps you in the dark and keeps you from getting treatment. And... You know, you just wonder with pedophilia if you could somehow. It's it's the most biologically is the wrong word, I think. But I get the whole idea yes. behind it because before I walked in here, I was talking to a girl talking about what we were going to talk about, and she was very like, "There's something to be said for someone that has those proclivities that doesn't act on them." Mm. And there yeah. is you've got to have not respect, but. Empathy and compassion right, for that right. because you're fighting something that you know is wrong. That is something that it's almost like it is yes. like being an addict or yes. being, you know, I just think that if you're fighting it and you want to like be like, hey, can we talk about this so that I can fix this? There's a little bit more leeway, obviously. Yeah, I totally hear what he's saying. And I think that that's really a relevant conversation to have because I do think um, sex, uh, rape, um, sexual abuse, these sorts of things are more like a public health problem. And that if we addressed them right. as a public health problem, that people would get help before it led to them actually hurting a child or a person. Right. It's always existed. It always, right. you know, essentially right. will, unless we start killing all of right. them, probably. Mm-hmm. And there's but some even mo- then, they still get born, right? So, yeah. 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 And there's some models that really do support that. Like in Amsterdam, they'll um, adult virgins. So mm-hmm. that's a population I've worked with as well, that they start offending on younger children you know, teenagers because they're adult virgins and they don't feel comfortable around other adults. In Amsterdam, they bring them to prostitutes. That's why I used to, you know, <laughs> ugly chicks in college. <laughs> just, yeah. just comfortable. Yeah. No. Uh. And so that there's things that you would do, you know, to help foster what would be a healthy sexuality versus someone going underground, right. being super secretive and, and hurting people. So then what do you think about this one? Because this is the other faction that he... I believe he says he's not in, but then they get the child uh, fuck dolls that they have sex with. The, have you heard about those? No. Yeah, they get dolls that look like children to have sex, and in their mind, it's a way to not act no, on it. No, that right. I would seem like it would foster. Oh, yeah. you don't think that's good? No, no, <laughs> no, no, no. no. Right. no. no, no tell I, me more I, about I was it. Totally on board. <laughs> no, child and that's what that's what we're saying about conditioning it because you're you're conditioning a certain arousal, so you can't just keep doing that and think that that's not going to lead to behaviors that are like you said down right. that slippery slope where you're on a website, you're looking at. Mm-hmm. You know now the penis thing. Isn't there something they wear on their dick as well? That's what the penile plumesmograph 
That's what oh, I would. Oh yeah, the yeah. mesmograph. <laughs> Pineapple mesmograph. Sounds those. like a like it's something you see at a festival. Um, th- I had some experience with that where I was um, administering these assessments, which is using, um, well, they call it. Um, I'm. It's like a band that goes around the penis and it's like a cock ring. Yep, and it measures blood flow, and so they put it on. I'm in another room. Um, Is it like a gauge far, far away? <laughs> no, it's close. It's pretty close. I'm in the other room, and then they look at stimulus, um, and it might be that someone's reading something. It could be images. They look at that, and um, they get a yellow, or well, uh, yeah, it's a yellow, red, green. So it's like an arrow that goes from like chubby, doom, <laughs> yeah, 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 at the pizza place where you put your finger on the pulsometer, and they would like. Yeah. Judge how yeah, it's like they the do Buffalo Wild Wings like yeah. sauce is hot, <laughs> mild to hot. <laughs> but that what it really does, and what my research really showed, was that some men don't really know that there's different stages to their erection. So they they they're not like zero oh, to a hundred. Really? Like some no, they didn't have any idea, and so this would show them. I've been at fifty for the last five years. <laughs> It doesn't move. It's like a lazy old porn dick or whatever where they just don't get fully hard anymore. It kind of hangs out like a just under straight That out. could be a porn problem. You could have a porn problem. Oh, yeah. I'm sure yeah. it's <laughs> But so they would – so it would teach them so that there was earlier stages for them to intervene because some of them really believed that once they started having any level of arousal, they were fully erect and they couldn't stop. And so if you taught them certain that there are certain stages to it, they could intervene before it led to. So basically their excuse was the whole, like, just chasing my dick around again. <laughs> I didn't when, want so to. do right. you find that most of the um, pedophiles are um, you, the, the virgin problem or, or the virgin thing? Where they, they, yeah. So are they not sexually experienced? And so that's why they kind of focus on pedophilia or yeah there was a few that i worked with that were definitely um like really um like they might have been in their 20s but that they were really at a developmental stage that was much lower than that Mm -hmm. and that they i can think of a couple guys in particular that just got really into like video games and like multiplayer video games they spent a lot of their early late teens early 20s being isolated in that and then never developed the skills to really ever be feel like they could approach a girl that was their age but so do you but but would and it's like you don't want to put like a stigma <laughs> on people that consciously are like i just don't want to sleep with a bunch of random people and want to be more emotionally connected versus um because it is a it's a weird place to be like oh if you're not having sex in your teens you're gonna vent in pedophilia I just think that's a weird yeah. jump so yeah. I don't think like, like sexual a, inactivity leads to that yeah and it's it's more it's there's a, so many layers to it I think mm-hmm. it's more about like just um, feeling socially awkward sure. maybe having some like anxiety there yeah. might be mental illness as part of that mm-hmm. too like a full blown anxiety disorder or something um, that just keeps them sort of detached from what their peers might be experiencing at those ages. Right. And then by the time when they don't experience it and they're looking back on it, it seems so insurmountable that they would gain those skills. And right. it's like almost like more anxiety develops. It just becomes its own snowball. And sure. I've seen that is the pathway then to offending, which there's so many pathways 
that some people go down to get. That's to that why point. I always thought that was such a weird, <clears throat> a weird analogy because obviously the Catholic Church had a huge problem with pedophilia, but then it was like, well, if priests could marry and they could have sex, there wouldn't be pedophilia. And I think it's just such a. A, I, how many guys would be like, I haven't had sex in three years. That boy looks great. Yeah. That's what seems, prison is. I don't know. Don't you I think know. that is in a sense the truth? But is, I don't know. Well, that I think that's a, like the, the, you know, the question is, did the Catholic Church create more pedophiles or were more pedophiles attracted, attracted to the well, Catholic Church? Well, I think Church? that's what they found yeah. that was happening. Yeah. It was kind of like a sexual revolution. Yeah. And they were finally, <laughs> what was? For <laughs> that, it was like they were, it was like a, it was like a. The summer of love, huh? It was, sort of. <laughs> yeah. But it was, like but I think there was, because when you think of pedophilia, we think anything under 18, but what you find with a lot of the kids that were molested were post-puberty, mm-hmm. which technically isn't pedophilia is from what I understand I could be wrong right so there is the you know it's not like you're dealing with children and babies you're dealing with sexual like where they would almost be sexual on their own you know kind of a thing so it was kind of a weird it attracted deviance it did and I think there was some that probably got into that thinking they would stay safe by those vows and the the real strict you know like they had those Those ideas and those thoughts were there, and yeah. they're like, "I'm gonna just go into the, you know, the church, and mm-hmm. and I will." A lot of guys get married, you know, like for real, as right. like a, you know, a cheater's thing. Like, oh, maybe yeah. if I commit yeah. to this marriage, what? So I'm gonna tell a story that I I did not get clearance from this guy, so this might end up end up getting cut, but I'm not sure. But John. I I have it. No, I have a <laughs> I have a um, a friend guy I know whose whose dad molested one of his family members. His it was not him. Um, it was something that obviously ripped their family apart. I think he did a little bit of jail. But they, you know, this is in like the late 80s. So it's like they even still kind of stayed in now looking back sort of ridiculous close con- like close contact. He said finally in his, like when he was 27, um, it was always something they pushed under the rug sort of. And when he was 27, he decided, it just built up to where he just had to do a big confrontation. And... He said that that he, whatever, went at him, yelled at him, and his dad, much to his surprise, like, essentially sort of tried to justify it, like, just said, uh, you know, like, well, wait till, you know, wait till you have kids and you're going to have to fight the same urges and the same stuff that, which he just said was beyond mind-blowing to him, and yet debased his reality enough that you, he's like, you know, I'd be lying if I said I didn't worry about it or think about it. Like, will I? You know, when yeah. I have a kid, will I? Ha- you know, just because you how just... hot they are. And it does. It's very... <laughs> um, so did the dad, in that case, did the dad ever get convicted of anything? Or did he ever get... I believe he did. So, you know, really, I don't remember exactly. Yeah. But so did he... my recollection is he did like 30 days in jail kind Jesus. of thing. So I'm not sure. Yeah. And then, of course, lost the kids in divorce court. But... They, I mean, they did go like like every other weekend. Did he have to register weekend. then as a sex offender? I don't know. Yeah. You know, I really I was so young. I, yeah. I was ten, but um, yeah, I don't know. It's do you find how many of them do you feel like um, don't understand that they're so different, or like, or do you think it is a spectrum issue? I do think that there's definitely there's definitely things that just defenses that go up to like protect it's just like you said everything is at stake if you actually are outed Mm -hmm. as having done the most awful horrendous thing particularly to your own daughter Mm -hmm. and what that might mean for the rest of your life and so there's so many things that are protected against it that they do believe them they do fully 
on occasion come to the table ready to just believe their own delusions. Yeah. And that's why it's so difficult to be a therapist in this particular field, I find, because you have to be so on top of the, all of those subtleties that they start presenting that are minimizing the responsibility for the horrific act that has mm-hmm. been, you know. So his dad saying to him, well, you wait and see. That's... Right. I mean, that... Uh, oh, it's, it's so terrible. It's, I, I mean, and I... Like, I, you know, my heart breaks for him when I heard it. Have, have there ever been people that you won't treat, you know, to where you just go, like, I can't even sit and hear this, or this is just too much? No, but there has been situations where other people will intervene and say, this, we're going to change this this scenario. We're not going to have this individual work with you. Um, maybe information will come out that, in some cases, they have a duty to warn if something were to come out that we're, like overtly threatening towards me but in in some cases it will be like maybe a sex journal that will be like their ideal partner matches like just my description Mm -hmm. perfect and they're like you know this isn't probably a good idea but in other instances that can be really um valuable therapeutic information to sort of work from there i had a guy who um kind of started tipping me to that it was moving towards he was thinking about me too much which when he was like um, I had used sex in the city. I used sex in the city therapeutically a lot to talk about th- sex. and well, it was and good for something. Like yeah. <laughs> really. And in this case, he would say to me, well, I, I, I knew sex in the city was on at 1030, like the reruns or something. And he's like, I imagined you watching it. And this episode was on and it was like right. red flag. Like, yeah, so yeah. that was always my question <laughs> with like women. And obviously we want to be like level the playing field and be, you'd be able to do what men do. But in certain instances, do you feel, I can't imagine like working in a prison system. Cause like what we were talking about, like with, with priests, like, Oh, you're, you're, you're abstaining from something. And then you just like, it's like red meat just kind of dangling. I, I just would think that you would go in as dowdy and disgusting as possible. <laughs> and even that wouldn't deter them because if they're willing to like, if they're not they genetically, if, they if, can. if they're not <laughs> genetically predisposed to be gay, but all of a sudden they're gay in prison because it just shows that it doesn't matter. Like you would just be such a, uh, yeah, target. And, and and I think that's the part where you, as a woman, you just stay in some level of denial about how really, like if I really sit and think about, so I'd be standing in front of 200 sex offenders giving yeah. a lecture, and you imagine how many of them are you know, taking snapshots in their mind of me so that they can Do use... you have them all just have their hands on their head while you're doing your lectures? <laughs> I would. I'm not even kidding. I'd be like, yeah. everyone hands up. Yeah, no. But there's, you know, there's other cues. There's le- there's more subtle cues to sure. shifting and sort of things that happen that you're like, Ugh. something's going on, but... Or they ask for like a throw pillow to put on there. <laughs> I just want to hold a pillow while I... Check the tissue. <laughs> um, I, but, you know, and... Yeah, weird, weird things would happen, you know, bizarre things where you would be in a situation. You're like, this isn't right, Um, particularly where I would, you know, I have a guy who comes in and he has a uh, his fantasy script. So they would write a fantasy script and they would bring it to me. And I would send him into (laughs) penthouse every. (laughs) I would read them and um, then we would go over them. And they're supposed to be arousing. They're supposed to be arousing enough that you would get an erection and be able to masturbate. And. You're, I'm having you read the, it to me in an individual session in oh, my yeah. office alone. And we meet with them alone. Um, and so that would be really uncomfortable at times. I bet you just have go you home ever and felt shower threatened? hard. Yeah. Um, 
Yes, showering. Yeah. <laughs> and if I ever felt threatened? Yes. Uh, no. No, I, I can't honestly say that I've ever felt. Well, I take that back, but that was before I was doing sex offender treatment and I was working with a homeless guy, and I think he was perping on me sort of passively as a really young what did that new mean? therapist. He was like, he would put me in really uncomfortable situations. And as a new therapist, I thought I should be able to like work through that with Handle him and it. kind of yeah. keep yeah. talking about it. But when I look on back on it now with the experience I have now, I think his, he was really getting off on watching me squirm. Right. Seeing you uncomfortable. Yeah. And I mean, I'm getting off the It was like Silence of, of the Lambs when he, <laughs> it's that kind of interaction. Oh, that's so funny. Okay, I'm going to try not to objectify you here. Okay. But people do – that. we always get asked that, what the people look like. So I will say it because I think it's relevant to that you are sitting across from a rapist. Um, not there, right now. There, yeah. No. <laughs> Full yeah. disclosure. Let's be clear. Full disclosure You're right now. You might to want to be – Next to a borderline. Just reader. a rubber. Yeah. He just, likes to rub up against the people. Not yeah. quite Foyer. rapey. For Taj. Uh, For Tajer. Yeah. A few Ill- illegal dry rides. No. <laughs> um, uh, okay. That, okay, there are women, this is for the viewers at home, that there are women who are very plain and don't even have an aura of sexuality. You do have an aura of sexuality. And, I mean, you are the basis by which all voluptua should be judged. I don't know. I'm just trying to Yeah, right. And I've heard that, Is that sex offendery? Yeah. Like, I've heard that where, and I feel like I do do that. And that's why men open up to me more in that realm is that- like you I... seem like you've had sex before, right? <laughs> which which is different. They're, what? There are people who don't have that vibe at all. I just feel you digging yourself a huge <laughs> hole. Yes, it's not that yeah. deep yet. No, but I do. I think Wait. I'm. I think I'm so. I do exude that. And um, like I used to have. Like I was the coolest person at the fire around the fire, and men would come and they'd be like, "Tell me about these stories. Mm-hmm. Tell me about a story," because they just like to hear it, and they like to hear it coming from a woman. And then they would tell me their deepest fantasies their darkest secrets and it just poured out of them very few things hotter than women who are really comfortable talking about sex and do it matter-of-factly it just but when the guy has to be like tell me and say it slowly (laughs) so is it right it does help if you slow it down (laughs) um okay so this is something the victim thing this is one of my uh whatever i've heard that there's something I'm not going to do this right, but it was something that they believe that people who have been victimized may emit something, whether it's a pheromone, it, let's just call it a vibe okay. that other um, whatever victimizers pick up on. And that's why so many women get multiple, like throughout their life will be victimized three times by three different guys and, you know, across their lifetime. Have you ever heard anything about that? Well, I think that. Um, I think as we understand like the impact of like trauma, so mm-hmm. we over time like certain exposure to certain trauma over time does lead you to then be more prone towards other trauma and be that like physical abuse, be that you know verbal abuse or sex abuse, whatever it might be. That there is some connection about trauma and those experiences, but oftentimes I think the men themselves are so good at sort yeah. of painting this picture and that everyone is vulnerable on some level to some of that and that it just so happens that these people have these other individuals in their path. It's more of like, how are they meeting them? Where are they? You know, plenty of fish is 
known as the offender site. Like that's where if really? you're working, I'll, yes, if you're working outpatient treatment. We should see if they want to advertise on this episode. <laughs> the first place they're oh, going to get to go is Plenty of like, Fish. Flag this and it's part. like they're approved by their therapist to get that level and be able to put something out there. Why is that? Well, I mean, why would they be approved if it's known for that? Well, they'll, they have to get to that level. Like the offender has to get to that level on their therapy, like their goals, before they can make that's a profile. because they're doing good. Like that's yeah, your yeah, clapping yeah, for them. You yeah. get to go on plenty of fish You get to now. make a profile. Okay. And then we'll, as that starts happening. Because, you know, you that ask. I would think they'd be on they, Tinder. Right. That's what I was going to say. Like, if, start with Tinder or but something. But if like, you're a yeah. woman on that site right now earnestly looking for dates, yeah. knowing like. I'm yeah. deleting my profile immediately. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but then that they, But here's the thing is we. Okay, so you talked about the stigma. Stigma. This guy wants to that. That's the thing that makes sex offenders dangerous is isolating them and and you know right. taking them out of society and saying that they should never be allowed to date or they should never you know that the idea that they are monsters and they're monsters forever and they never get another that makes them more dangerous. That makes that puts us all at risk. But at didn't some you level. say yourself that you're not sure they can be right? But then it's our job to catch them. So okay. if we let them get get give them a little bit. And we, someone is there to catch them immediately. So basically you're saying, all right, we get them to a point where they're rewarded, where they can be on a site like this, being open and honest and letting women discern if that is the right guy so for them. Then that's the other question that comes up is when do you have to tell the person you're dating? I would think that they would have to. Not, and, and I, because I'm not in the field right now, I don't yeah. know what the parameters are, but then it was typically thought that you could go on one, maybe two dates before you had to fully disclose that you were, were a person that was convicted of a sex offense. I think it should be in your profile. I like to laugh, I and I used to like little kids. Yeah. I think but they don't all like little like, well, kids. Right. They're not all pedophiles either. Yeah. I think there should be a... Um just a dating site for like rapist on rapist action and then they could just Fighting set up out. scenarios and rape each other and then it'd be like victimless but everyone's happy. No one's going to be healthy that way. No, but the, well, we'll be healthy. We won't be being raped. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be rape free. <laughs> or you would be because they'd be, you know, they get, get, all, there, they'd they get all jazzed up about it and then they're... Jazzed up. <laughs> That was a weird choice of words. Perfect, Put on some slack. Perfect their tactics and go corner Gabe down. At Going out on the bar. town feeling jazzy. <laughs> what? Um, let's see. Okay, how about this? So this, I think you and I talked about this when I when we first talked on the phone. One of the things that I was curious in is, oh, God, I don't know what shit we can talk about this. There was a scenario that you and I had talked about once of someone being outed for a, as far as I was concerned, a new kind of sexual abuse. That was, do you recall what that was called? Changing your mind sex, right? Or, oh, yeah, yeah. you mentioned this. That. Yeah, it was like that she it had. It had an official term. And I, I think we can just say it because we can bleep it afterward or mm-hmm. edit it out. But so it's one female comic of um, who. Oh, I know what you're talking about. Who, in my uh, view, which maybe it's cynical, but every Facebook post is about how she was abused by somebody constantly, right? So, which you want to have sympathy for, and then when there's so much of it, you just start going, what are you interpreting as abuse? And just, you know, someone is mean to me, and, you know, I'm not going to take that kind of abuse. Uh, You know, I don't know. Mm -hmm. So, anyway, um, it was a thing where 
Okay. Don't oh, worry, wow. we'll, we'll, view, yeah. we'll bleep it yeah. out. Blur, blur, ligand. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, it'll be out. <laughs> this will no. be out. It'll sound, yeah, it'll be no yeah, sound. It won't be, believe me. Blur, blur, go through like five potatoes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So anyway, it, it was basically that, um, you know, what, what came out in the story is that um, she invited him over to her house. They got together. He started being too forward. She tried gentle, you know, signals of like, no, he persisted. She essentially went with it, but was not comfortable. And, you know, in her words, probably locked up. In fact, I don't think she said that, but she said that afterwards she felt violated and taken advantage of and blew him out in public and, you know, like it was a very public thing. And in my... She didn't blow him in public. She just said, "Tevin, please." I mean, really, <laughs> grow up, Tevin. Really Off-color stuff. Grow up, really. <laughs> Jesus. Um, nah, she. I don't even know what happened. But no, she, they. Um, I guess it was so strange to me that it was public because, in my mind, back in my day, no, it just used that to be. It was called dating. When you, it was, it was. Like in it, college, it was called dating. Right. So did he? Did they actually have intercourse? Yeah. And there was I, I like penetration, mm-hmm. but okay. she's I don't know. She, I was she consented until she didn't. Like it was like it took some like coaxing, but it and wasn't, was she intoxicated it, too? No, I don't know. I don't know that. And wasn't, I think the intoxicated thing is very strange. Also, when you're both drunk and that the onus goes on the guy, right? Because I think consent. Okay, so this one of the things that would always sort of blow the men's mind is they were always like, "Well, people will murder other people, and they don't get as much time as we do, or they don't have to register as a sex offender." Well, I think rape is worse. Yeah, you know, for a lot real. of and a lot of people really do say that, but then we'll yeah. say, "Why? How is that worse than murdering someone or um, torturing them and and assaulting them?" It's the idea of penetration. I think it's the idea of penetration. And when you accept that for women, any sexual act typically involves penetration. And when you ask men to think about penetration, Mm -hmm. what do you think of? Getting the dick up my butt. Yeah. It's (laughs) typically not something you're very excited about doing, right? How do you know? No. (laughs) The way you said it, maybe. I do. I I I took cues from that. I took I do yo-yo my turds every night to to simulate it. Oh, my God. So when you say, like, consent falls on the women, you know, because I think the very nature of sex in itself where you are being penetrated Mm -hmm. does involve that the woman should give the final consent for that in my, you know. So before you penetrate anyone, you should have a solid yes, that is acceptable behavior. I'm down with that. Right, but when, I guess unless you're signing papers, <laughs> Babe, you how do you, this? you know, I mean, if you're saying yeah, I mean, I just, as as a mother of two sons, it Who frightens me. Who loves getting a good Randy <laughs> yeah. fuck over. Yeah. No. But it frightens yeah. me that yeah. anybody, it, and it I would ruins, ha- ruins careers, ruins college right. careers, ruins, right. and I just think there's this weird um, movement of, if she says she was assaulted, we believe her. I think that's just wrongheaded. Well, and I think that there's some change happening in that like that there was some organizations that were like getting the accusers help and things like that so the mm-hmm. the tides could be shifting in so, that because that's a bad that trend. sort of yeah it's, but the same way you feel about sex offenders as we talk about it now is the way that that woman and all of her family and friends and loved ones feel about that college guy who is being sure. accused yeah. of rape it's a very slippery slope so too. i mean look at the duke I mean, if we look at the, like anyone, any woman can say 
that was a I was sexually assaulted and of mm-hmm. course we all want to be like hold her up and be like oh my god that's horrible and then you find out in the meantime while these kids careers and sports careers and pr- reputation you can't put the toothpaste back in the tube and I think it's what? a weird no. it's a weird <laughs> it's a weird sexual uh, but I think it's a weird um I think it's a, a, a we want to be compassionate but I just don't think it should be on the air of of hurting other people. I think that white males, it, like it's like the straight white males, they're the devil. And I just think that is just a, ser- a scary. Partly true though. Well, yeah, the ones I, think, I yeah, know I are. Yeah. But I just feel for my sons, I don't want that to be a, a something that's an accepted, a, accepted thing. thing. Because what does that leave them in 10 years or 15 right. years just when they're out there? Just being really, really cautious about consent. And making sure that you have those conversations. You just got to make her beg for it. Dude. You just have you to just, have those conversations. But I don't know if it's just about consent. It's about oh, I I, I consented, but now I changed my mind. That's I think what that's I where scary. that's where I get a little bit a little bit right. Like, but that we have to well and. And when we're talking about these these more public ones, they're in like university settings, and that's like not a traditional criminal justice. Like sure. charges aren't pending from that. That's like university. Discipline. Here's a story I have. Um, hard to say this, <laughs> but it's a I name name Blade intoxicated, Loa. Very okay. intoxicated in college, and essentially I was walking unconscious, truly blackout drunk, like all day kind of thing. And I honestly came to <laughs> I shouldn't say, having sex with this giant fat black girl who like was bopping on my schmeckle and her. Stretch marks would illuminate like light white when she'd come down, and I it like honestly sobered me up. Where I was like, "What in the fuck is going on?" Like, I don't even know who this person is. What the fuck is happening to me? And afterwards, <laughs> I would have gone to any length to make people think that that was not a consensual act. I did not. I just lied and avoided and avoid. And I think of, you know, how many. I'm not a you know a trophy guy, and how many women I. Like, I used to call it slime my way into their pants. I'd slime my way into their pants, but consensually. And that the next day they, like, wouldn't even answer my phone calls or whatever. And I just think they're probably at their sorority going, like, yeah, Gabe, no, just raped me last night. (laughs) I hope not. I hope reality. Did you feel like you had given consent to the woman? I gave consent to her right away. No, the girl that was on top of oh, you. Oh, no. I don't fucking know. I mean, yeah, probably. Who knows? You, you were, were drunk. Victim. I you were just, drunk. To me, I made my own bed by being such a fucking maniac. Who knows? I don't know. It was Maybe. it. It was one of the only experiences that felt slightly violating. Yeah. Yeah. And and what? But yet, I never even thought for a second. Like I never walked around the quad with my head down, going like, "Well, Gabe, you." You deserve this because you're such a drunk slut. <laughs> what if a guy was going to give it to you, the ass? Would you feel the same way? Like if you came to and you Good were like, question. some guy is like. Well, that would clearly be rape because I would never want that. You know what I mean? <laughs> but Whereas, I think it also has to do with the idea of penetration. I do think that penetration thing, like the idea of being penetrated. Oh, is don't diff- get me wrong. Worse than, I mean, truly, I'm, not, I'm trying, really, this is not a homophobic thing. I can. You know, like maybe I could let a guy like suck me off or something like that, but I can. <laughs> no, but honestly, getting penetration 
in in my is truly a worst nightmare. I, I think a lot of men feel I'd, that way. I need a thousand dollars. Yeah, and I think in that space is a space to say that's the experience women have when they're raped because it's like penetration. You're saying you think having sex with me is like me getting <laughs> raped in the ass? What a wonderful comparison, I think, Doc. With, I think when there's ideas where it's like that's not that bad or that's not you know we don't have to take that as seriously. Just the idea of being penetrated by something is pretty. I think men understand that more than you know because. Um, when you think of your uh, girlfriend or wife having sex with another man, it is the penetration that you think of. Yep. You know what I mean? It, it is. We do relate to that on a primal level, I think. Yeah. And the other thing you think of is like when she sucks his dick and like does it enthusiastically when she just when she does it for you. It's like a birthday thing. That's like a you know like you're supposed to feel lucky. Do you spend and, Do you spend time like with, about you're thinking about your wife? She just hovers giving... her mouth around the head of your penis and breathes hot air on it and then calls out your birthday knobber. Thanks, Allie. Oh my god! I bleep oh my god. that. I'm just joking. That's a joke. Mrs. I'm sure Noah there's all sorts of questions about how then I remain sexually active or like how am I? That's what I was going to get to next. You must feel really sexy at the end of the day. Like, yeah, I, mean, oh, I got some sweet ideas for I mean, work today. He's a child molester, but I just thought of it as you and me. And I... No. Um, uh, How do you separate that? Yeah. So, I like I said, I, I did get good at not visualizing the certain things. Mm-hmm. Um and just sort of shutting some of that stuff off. But there was certain, there's definitely certain examples and certain things that would penetrate that whole genre. Um, penetrate. <laughs> <laughs> would be, you know, um, maybe, here, okay, let me just say this too, is I'm not probably the typical spouse or partner in that I've spent a lot of time trying to understand male sexuality and the expression of male se- sexuality and helping. You had some slutty years in high school. <laughs> <laughs> <I'm just joking. laughs> and so I, I really do feel like I probably approach my husband differently than the average woman would in that. Um, Sneak up from behind. <laughs> <laughs> I'm much more willing to hear his fantasies because I think I accept that men have these fantasies and they have maybe um, as a reflection of some testosterone or whatever it might be, also can have some more, some more aggressive mm-hmm. um, sort of urges and things that of that nature. And I, and I understand that on a spectrum that your sexuality is that changes at different times in your life. So what you were attracted to. So I feel like we've always had a pretty healthy sex life and that really that just comes from being willing to also hear from him what it is and yeah. not perverting it and not making it anything other than what it is, which of. is him coming to his partner to talk about things that he wants to do. But that's a slippery slope. Yeah, that's the most dangerous <laughs> shit like, I ever heard in my life. Would you put on these footy pajamas? <laughs> right, and right. So no. sometimes the ideas will get thrown out there and then I just have to kind of grapple with them, you know, mm-hmm. and think about, is that something I'm comfortable with? Is that something I can do and enjoy? Because I don't want to do anything I don't enjoy. Um, but that in our relationship, you know, we've been together a decade. Um, How does that change you as a mother, though? I think as a mother, because I have a son, um, and he's not that old, but... Um, he's active. <laughs> <laughs> you know what's interesting about that? I don't want to... Let's just say he's an school, mm-hmm. and um, we his favorite show right now is Skin Wars, and I think for a it's like softcore porn. 
What is Skinwar? It's like on on um, FX, Netflix, Netflix, Cinemax late night. <laughs> <laughs> they wear pasties and g strings, and then artists paint their bodies, and they're women, and okay. they so they're they're. Oh my oh, god! He knows what he's watching. The Sears he catalog was porn when I was right. young. I mean, really, right? Yeah. And so I, I think I've also I think it's been important for our development is that we're maybe more of like a naked house, like we don't make a big deal about being naked. Um, you know, I dress in the dark in the corner. Do you That's know, my family too, or me at least. <laughs> yeah. Do you know though that mothers are are boys' first experience of like a naked woman? Um, yeah, you know how I realized that? As I realized when it was done, you're going into the dressing room with me when he sat there and laughed at me. Yeah. I'm like, why don't you go out in there? Yeah. <laughs> my kid <laughs> today, I, or, I'm sorry, yesterday, and this is 100% true. true, I took a piss in front of him. And he like walked in the bathroom, pushed his way in, and just was craning his head to stare. And I mean, just I've never had my dick stare at. Yeah, and it's squinting. I am a grower, you know. I am a grower, not a shower. And it, and I really was worried that it's like because when I saw my dad's dick, Dad, if you're listening, you'll love this because it's all he cares about is how big his dick is. And my dad's dick looked fucking huge. I mean, he. I still think of my dad's dick and go like, well, mine's never been that big. And I can't <laughs> tell if it's a scale thing or if it's, it's you know, if my dad thing. How does. How old were you when you saw it? But I've asked my dad, and he says, no, his dick's that big. <laughs> and I don't think my son's going to view me that way. I think he's going to say, ah, his dick is average. Eh. Eh. Kind of the same as mine. The idea is that <laughs> boys should see their mothers naked as the first real experience of a woman. And that you're probably more How naked? natural. Like, like nursing, right? Or I just mean, even as you get, they get shave older. Shave the bush. <laughs> Otherwise, their first. <laughs> Can I just say, most kids never want to see that ever. But yeah. it's it's not necessarily what they want to see. But it's healthier to see you versus see porn and think sure. that that's what a attractive woman is supposed to look like, and that that's not really reality. Attractive woman. There's like skinny cry- broad porn. Cry- <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> that's not, that's, we don't want to foster you want those sorts of things. See me naked crouched in the corner crying? Is that yeah. what my son needs But to it's see? hard to do. And then yeah. I have a daughter who's a little older, and I think I also want to teach her healthy things about her body and that sort of thing and I remember taking her to the Y and being like all right I'm gonna get naked in front of all of her little friends <laughs> you <laughs> because thought this? I did it she did call the officials <laughs> <laughs> because I, I was like I wanted them to know that it, when you come to a locker room you get naked and you get dressed and they but were all going in the bathroom you don't put lotion on you, do, you don't bend at the waist to bend yeah, at the knees sure sure for sure every but time as I stood there you know without any clothes on and they're all just you know sort of standing there I was like I gotta do it because I think it's healthy for them to just experience it that way that that is true but as grown ups though that's that's a good point I do go to like when I do yoga and I go into the dressing room after and I'm in and out I don't dress very rarely do I shower there are women there (laughs) that (laughs) there are women there that will like put their sports bra over their tits and they have them hanging out and then like have a conversation with their cell phone out with the woman that I know they're casual with they're not even really good friends with and I'm like can we just all agree you this can isn't be too normal this yeah. is yeah. not why not like, put the we... bra down exactly. over the nipples I, that, I was so floored I'm like are we kidding right now I think we are weaning shame out of society which I think is a bad thing because no think, one's ashamed of anything anymore I think that sex can be hotter with shame too because <laughs> right? it's like god I know I'm not supposed to do this because yeah. you're three yeah jesus yeah. <laughs> wow 
Sorry. <laughs> of course. No, but even like 13. when I go to the gym, the older the white guy in the gym, the longer they spend like naked and like yes. using the hair yes. dryer to like yes. blow dry their body. It's like bring a towel. And they just walk around like leg up on the thing, balls Part all over the place. Part of me thinks people, there is like this weird getting off on it a little bit like they're in there and it's like oh it's we're, power they it have is, power it, over it, there kind of is mm-hmm. because i'm like yeah this isn't normal and you know it's not quite normal we hardly know each other i i know your eyes are up here but i think there is there's a weird comfortableness that i think there is kind of like there's a a certain person, they're not. They get off. I know That's exactly what you're of, talking about. There, there's there's a uh, to me a sociopathic or preternatural comfort with themselves. Yes. That's just like strange. In fact, which brings me to a real question and back to kind of this stuff is: Is there anything that you know? Because you've talked to. I mean, have you talked to a hundred pedophiles? I'd say pedophiles probably a hundred would be. And yeah. then rapists, how many? Approximately. Just. I'd say a hundred. Okay. Yeah. Is there any? I don't know, feature or vibe that you feel like you've sussed out now a little bit or, you know, even if it's personal, something you can't explain. Is there like something you've noticed? I think it's more about eye contact. Yeah, I think it's more about behavior than it is about a way a person looks. Right. And so and I think that also contributed to like why I wanted to participate in it after I had children was that there was some sense of me that wanted to know. Yeah. I wanted to know like who to look out for. And if I had more experience in this, then I might know who to look out for. Um, And so... you know, there are, it's more behaviors. So, um, we, like I said, we lived out West and there was this, um, oh, like a water, you know, that where the water shoots out of the ground and yeah, the yeah. kids mm-hmm. come and play or whatever. Yeah. In this particular community, it wasn't unheard of that they would just strip their children down naked right. and let the children just run around this right. fountain, which was in the middle of kind of a bustling sort sure. of area the bustling child pedophile (laughs) (laughs) and i loved going to that area this was before i had children and so i loved going to that area i loved going down there and and sitting by the fountain and whatnot and found myself oftentimes feeling like i was on some sort of lifeguard duty where i would be watching these children but also then watching to see who was watching them you do see so i know exactly what you're talking about we we were um at one in south dakota this year with the kids uh in our family you keep clothes on but it uh I, I did I couldn't help but notice seeing fifty eight year old, you know, guys just sitting on the park and they're smiling at the kids like they're nice old men. They're fifty eight, not that old, but whatever. And it just you know, it just hits you like it's like that's weird. You know, I don't know that I do that, but now I have kids and it does change how you look I appreciate Oh God, that sounds fucking horrific. <laughs> you I guys all look at me when I said three year old. Right. What I mean, do you view that as an I don't know an alarming thing? Yeah, I mean it can it, it it can be, and that's where you just have to really remember that, like stranger rape and stranger assault on a chi- a child is rare. It's right. super okay. rare. It's, it's not normally. Com- yeah, it's someone they know. It's yeah. like a coach or a teacher or a priest or yeah. you know, it's just right. someone yeah. who is more a cousin, a uncle. Yeah, father, um, stepfather. I think, generally speaking, like boys between the ages of like five and nine are like at the most vulnerable for for like a stranger sort of thing. So or, ten, you're out of the woods. <laughs> mostly, because but you think yeah. about boys that age, how how just like gullible they are yes. towards yes. other boys, yeah. particularly. 
Um, That's the weird thing too. Is then when they're being boys. molested by older boys that are like yeah, not yeah. much older than them. Yeah, that's the, that's, that's the one. That's the stuff that scares me more. Yeah. I think than anything else. And um, while I I I do have a you know twelve thirteen year old boy that babysits, it's only because I know his family so well and I I totally trust them. But that would be something I don't know that I would have sure. ever considered is yeah. having a is teenage that boy say babysitter. Overall, though, that. That you, you know, even you, someone who's dealt with that, it it is the role of a dice, essentially, right? And I think you can be aware of certain behaviors and you Mm -hmm. can have, and you can lay the foundation for conversations that make it okay to say something is happening. So, you know, we had a neighbor boy and like I said, we're a family that we tend to be more naked. We are open about talking about body parts. We've, you know, gone through all of the books and, you know, they can talk about that stuff and it's okay. Um, that a neighbor boy who was the same age as my daughter pulled his pants down and exposed himself to her. And she, she was, gosh, she was probably like nine mm-hmm. and he was maybe like seven. Okay. And he pulled his pants down. I did that. Um, and <laughs> she laughed at him. She laughed at him. That and she came home and she was like, you know, he did this, mom. And I, and I, I was glad that that was her reaction was like, I've seen yeah. it before. Mm-hmm. Pull your pants up, loser. Like it didn't phase her yeah. at all. Instead of being afraid and sort of frightened by what, what she was seeing or being like that was weird and, and having some sort of lasting trauma from that, it literally was like, I've seen my brother's penis. I've seen my dad's penis. Pull your fucking pants up. Yeah. <laughs> do, you feel, do you feel like when, um, when a man who doesn't have children offers to watch your kids even if he's a friend or whatever is that always alarming to you then like you know when when they don't have a you know i'm just trying to think of this scenario where it's like you know oh the uncle or the friend who's boy he just came around and all the kids loved him and blah 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 i mean what's the profile that you find most alarming would you say um, I would say it's the one, it's the individual who appears to be involved in lots of activities that put them in close proximity. So I can think about when I was out West, there was a guy who was a Cub Scout leader. He was a volunteer at the church. He was, and, and upstanding in his community. I mean, people really respected this guy and they respected his family and he was grooming children and he just had a whole slew of victims because his they he had such a level of trust with the families and I I think that one scares me and I think the priest ones always really disturbed me on some level because in in so many of those cases with families that were abused by priests they had this they had one level of trust but then they had this other level of trust that was like God like priests in the Catholic Church are very close to God if not directly and so you have a priest saying you know you're going to do these certain things to me and so it's like almost an offense on a whole nother level that one those those ones disturb me and then so what you know what would you recommend so okay I'm putting myself in that position now right so you have a vibe where you just go like something's not right like this person who I love you know he's I mean it's my brother or whatever it is and you have that vibe how do you suggest confronting it fine you know if that you know, if you felt that, because it's so hard to make that accusation because right. it's just, you know, a relationship right. ender right. if you wanted it to be. Yeah. How do you start having those conversations? Right. Um, carefully. You don't just start blowing carefully. a whistle and, I think and going. You, <laughs> I think you really try to build some foundation for listening. And so it's going to be less questions and just more trying to get someone to start talking about some things that might be 
um, put them at a higher risk? You know, do they have a relationship that's failing? Are they using substances? Are they experiencing symptoms of like a mental health problem? Um, are they noticing that they're, you know, not going to work or not having Dick like, is getting harder on your kids. <laughs> do you, <laughs> you know, like all of these things that you could start talking about that will then possibly lead into that. Do you, so I don't even know what I want to go with with that. It's just, it's so fucking about, creepy. You just can't. What about, um, so stereotypically like the, everyone's like, Oh, stereotypes for you, whatever. But don't you, when I think of like child molester, I do. White guy. I, I think of white guy. Yeah. Is there too. such is thing there, as a black there, pedophile? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there is more white offenders. You know, when I was working in the prison out West, there was more white offenders than there were any other population. Um, black crazier. was second. But yes, there are, yeah, child molesters who are, yeah. Because I think they're... serial killers, you think white guy. Yeah. How, right. How about the difference between. Um, you know, if I had to make my hierarchy, actually, let's have you do it since you're the expert. And I don't know if you can maybe, but what is your hierarchy of the bottom of the barrel to the (laughs) date rapist? We'll call the, well, no, no, we'll call statutory rapist the best of the worst. Is that fair to say? No. That's a tough one though, because there's so many things in those dynamics, but I'd say. Guys who molest their own kids. Yeah. Yeah. And I'd say infant. Like when Ugh. they molest their own infants. How common is that? Is that really? A baby just died of that. Yeah, I mean, it's it happens. Yeah. yeah, it happens. It's really sad. That's a tough one. Because of oh, internal boy. organ damage. Really? Yeah. That just makes happened. Me Literally just happened this summer. Up. I know. It was like it. Did, when you read that stuff, you're like, I could never. I just never needed to see that. I want to pretend yeah, that yeah. never happens. Right. Because and it shows the picture of her and she's a sweet little face. It's Do hard. They, boyfriend, they, never the father. It mm-hmm. always seems like it's the boyfriend, but yeah. wow. Do they ever offend and just go blow their head off right away? Like after the first time, suicide they do it? rates are high. Yes. Yeah, Su- yeah, I mean, for I sure. Hope so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Suicide I mean, quite rates. Quite frankly, are how do you, yeah, high. how do you go Ugh. about your day after that? You, ugh. Yeah, I mean, there's a whole path that comes to that too. furniture. That's, to get that's a it. whole. You know, another one that it, um, men who rape their mothers. <gasps> Shut the f- front door. Your mom won't just do it. She's your mom. <laughs> No, that is fucking what? amazing. Yeah. How that really? Yeah. They're elderly usually. Um, you know, maybe in their fifties because it typically it's you so know, young. It's not. They're not old, that old. Oh, moms in their fifties. Yeah. Yeah. Milf age for porn. Yeah. I shouldn't oh, have used that joke, God. but that is seriously so horrific. It's hard not to joke about it because I can't believe that's a reality. It is. A and what is their psychological profile usually reveal with that? Just like a domineering mom who they want to overcome? Yeah, okay, yes. Yeah. Yes. More often than not. And if, you know, in the profession, when I would talk with people about what they thought was like the uh, maybe a stronger pathway towards offending, it was always overbearing mothers. I'm starting to rethink my parenting approach. <laughs> you must think. <laughs> it was overbearing mothers that really fucked yes. boys up. That You must come home and just think like. Like, your husband must be the greatest guy in the world. Like, he just is. by contrast. You know what I mean? Oh like, you God. hear all these horrible male figures, yeah, and no it's like, like, oh, so he didn't put the dishes away. Right. So didn't what of it? Didn't take the garbage yeah, out. Right? Yeah. The bar's really right. low, you're saying? Yeah, exactly. You have to put the bowls upside down, you asshole. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I get you for that. <laughs> what, uh, Sick. How, okay, and this is another kind of pedophile, more pedophile-related thing. But, okay, whenever something gets busted it's always a pedophile ring right and i always wonder how they how hard is it to fucking right to 
to put that out there to people. It's hard to ask a girl if it's okay to kiss her. So, let alone you like, like, like yeah. they, they meet on plenty of cute? fish as well. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my god! No, I it's um, plenty of guppies. <laughs> it's far more easy than what I think we would think it would be because. W- most of what my experience have been where they're really into child porn and they have been Trillion. maybe busted for that several other times, you mm-hmm. know, so it's kind of a chronic thing, um, is that they trade. So if you have something that's hot, you're going to find the guy that you, and they go to this dark web and they meet up there and they have, yeah. the, you know, sort of, you know, they're going to download a folder and then you're going to dump your stuff that's in that folder. That's got to change the game. That's a game changer of the internet. Because before, oh, yes. back in the day, they just yeah. had to do it the old-fashioned way. Yeah. You know, and just like hang yeah. out a yeah. lot or whatever. But think but of that guy who was just busted for the Jacob Wetterling stuff. Yeah. He had that was the books worst. of books and books and books of pictures that he had collected since the 80s. And they those were pictures. Those weren't like... Mm-hmm. Sure, but to, to, to network, I'm yeah. saying. To trade and... In order and, to network, yeah. I think that it's a game changer. So... Speaking of the, I mean, you know, when you, you know, I ask this not as just a uh, brazen thing to get information on, but it's just to kind of shine a light to people of the stuff that you actually deal with and hear. What are things that stick out to you of just like, you know, what are examples of things you've heard in your everyday work where you just go like, this is hard to bear. This is unbelievable. Yeah. And and I mean, we don't have, you know, we can bleep it afterward or whatever. I just want to get a sense yeah. for how, yeah. how bad it gets, essentially. I think the, the for each, I think for each person, because each person can sort of be affected differently based on the stories and the... And, and how the, they tell and it. How and how they tell it and, and certain ones. So there's certain ones that certainly stand out for me. There was a man that I was treating, and this was an outpatient. He wasn't in a prison. Um where oh, his good. thing was masturbating in ice cream and selling it to children. He had a he had a ice cream truck. I mean, and, that's good to know. Yeah. You know, essentially, right. it really like it's a worst. And that thing was to know, his but. thing. And then he would masturbate into soap dispensers in public places. And he and he his whole thing was that he wanted people to have a part of them, a part of him. On them, in them, and that one tripped. I'm for some reason, surprised that's among the worst. Like, oh, that tripped me out for a yeah. long time because you're just like you're always what? using soap dispensers. Right. What else is someone like that? That was an idea that someone could be so aroused at that and just continue to do that as a sole act. That was mind blowing to me in some way. The other ones that bothered me when I, you know, um, was more like. <clears throat> Like there was one in particular where the guy, um, he had, um, he was hanging out sometimes at this woman's house after he would go down drinking. And so he would spend the night and he had a DWI and she was like 40 years old and she would say, you know, just crash here. I'd rather have you crash here than, than, um, get a DWI. And so it wasn't, she didn't directly know him. He was friends with her sister. So that part was significant to me too. He was friends with her sister. He came over. She sensed it was different, and he was really drunk and and being weird. And so she grabbed a knife, brought it to the bedroom. He was in her bedroom at that time and just set it on the table and was like, you're not doing anything to me tonight. Just go to bed. He reached for the knife, stabbed her in the head, and then held her at knife point and raped her. She ended up being able to hit the panic button on her apartment somehow, the police showed up outside of her door, and they could see him standing in the window, um, like with socks on and an erection. And they could see her bloody, running, like holding her neck, bleeding from the head. And I think that one stuck with me and bothered me so much because she was like a nice person doing something for her friend's mm-hmm. friend. 
Yeah. And he and she had done it before, and then it was just this one time yeah. that this that he yeah, did did that, and um, he was a very very sick individual, and yeah. um, had turned out had had been having fantasies about stabbing women, holding them at knife point, cutting off parts of their body and eating mm. them. And so that all came out after this, and he was sort of open to, like, I am really fucked up. I did this. That makes me think, do you find that the most, like, like the cutting off of parts and eating them, and that do you, do you find them to be the more charismatic and charming to get to that point? Or you know what I'm saying? Like, you think of, I'm, I'm thinking of, so like, like in their trust, the essentially. Right, like their hands. I'm like, what, what was that guy that got? Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. They're just, the the yeah. who was that one killer that just got executed? Not just got, but who's the big, the big? Uh, not John Wayne Gacy, but um, Ted Bundy. Not yeah, Ted Bundy. Mm-hmm. Uh, charismatic, yeah. handsome. Yeah. So that women see that and are like, oh, my guards are down, and then they can do even more discuss, disgusting. In some things. instances, there were. I can think of one man in particular that was really narcissistic. Is kind of what you, yeah. you know, like super yes, self important yeah. and very controlling, and probably like closest to the sociopath area that sure. I've ever really worked with and that he was really cold and calculated, but his energies was really directed towards one particular victim. And he really just went, it was like a significant other. I think he might've even been married to her at one point. And, um, those guys tend to get fixated on like one partner versus the guys who have these underlying, really violent, very violent fantasies. And they're just, masturbating and conditioning and and living in that sort of dark fantasy world those are the ones that i think it's only a matter of time before someone gets hurt and they go they act out on it so so in your opinion or whatever in your view it's just clear if you have you know for for any of the listeners out there who have really dark fantasies uh don't jack off to them like yeah. that, that 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 it really is a way to condition yourself to think that's okay essentially and, and i think it's you know it's part of like conditioning an arousal cycle. And so men have a certain arousal cycle and and that's the problem with porn. And there's some focus on porn really being problematic for men because it really does affect that arousal cycle. And so you might find what you're looking at at porn is a, is a turn on for a little while, but then you're typically looking for something else. Like it's, desensitized. Yeah, you get desensitized and then you've got to find something that's a little more arousing. And then you're looking for something and that can lead to darker sort of doesn't that scare you though too? Because I know that they said that since the internet now, with ki- younger kids having access to it, and they're talking to teenage, high school age girls, saying their boyfriends are unable to perform or whatever yeah, because yeah. of or, the fact that they're so conditioned descent- to porn, right? Or just that there's like sixteen-year-old girls who believe it's okay or normal that you should. Well, he should finish on my face yeah. or whatever. Oh, right? Yeah. I mean, that's like a real thing. Level, right. It's yeah. complete. It's just really right. Everyone's like, oh, it's just harmless. It's personal thing. But I think it's really distorting a lot of. of and it goes back to like even the naked, like what yes. what what mm-hmm. boys are seen. And so, yeah. you know, just being my husband's wonderful is that, you know, that's what I've said to him is like, you are going to be having conversations about what he's masturbating to. I'm not going to have those conversations yeah. with him, but someone is checking in with him on what is he fantasizing about? Wow. Really? Yes. Because I think it's I, such a slippery. Son. <laughs> it won't be <laughs> oh me. I won't God. make him go do it with it, me, that, but someone is, having, just so you someone know. is no. having the conversation. Um, have there ever been any pedophiles or rapists that you've in the jail or outpatient thing that you have been of the opinion they're saying they're innocent, and you believe it? Oh, that's a tough one. Um, yes. Yes. And um, But then I've also been 
so one in particular was a statutory situation where he um he was 17 she was 14 she became pregnant they went for a prenatal care he was attending all of the prenatal care with her and they were turned in by the um, hospital when the baby was born that stinks and so he was arrested and charged with, with this, mainly because her family really pushed for it, and maybe it would have had a different outcome if she hadn't, if her family hadn't really pushed for it either. Um, but he really had every intention of, of doing the right thing in that, in that situation. And um, I felt like developmentally he was closer in age to her, and that was That's the... Gotta, and it's got to be so obvious in, in clinical situations that he's not these people. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it just seems yeah. like he's doing But all then what things. threw me on this is that years later I heard, so, uh, you know, therapists will, I stay in touch with them, and you're kind of trauma-bonded with some of these other yeah. tr- therapists. And so years later, one of them emailed me and said he came back. He had been at a party, and he raped a woman, like full-on... <gasps> stranger so could raped. that be because of like he had like assumed already... some persona of right. that i don't know because then he had been you know he's one of those guys who was in that group with all sorts yeah. of men he spent a lot of time in prison he was young he was like 20 something and i think those experiences do condition sure. you towards certain yeah. things and and to respond and but that one Ugh. that one threw me for a loop another time where it was sometimes i can I, I don't want to minimize it because I, I definitely think about victims and I don't want to seem like I'm not thinking about them at all because I think about them a lot and, and the impact that this has had on, on them and their families and, and the whole ripple effect of that. In some instances where like heavy drugs like meth are involved and someone does something that is outside of their norm. So even if that might be molesting a child, like a 10, 9, 10-year-old child, I can I can think about that differently for some reason. It's not right and it's still wrong, but they're high and they're under the influence of meth. And so in one situation, this guy was a total meth user. He was on a binge. He had locked himself in to his house with his children um, and some other meth users, and they were on a binge, and he sexually abused his daughter during that time. And he claimed that he didn't recall it. He was totally tripping out. He you know, was seeing all sorts of things, whatever. He went through all of that. It was, it's hard because you don't ever really acknowledge that in therapy, that you don't think it's not true. Okay. Yeah. You really try to stick with what the facts are and the investigation yeah. and kind of stay on that. So if they were convicted on that investigation, then you would stick with those points. But in some cases, you think about it differently. But so he had he had done this. She was like nine or ten. He served ten years in prison. He got out, and later someone had um, emailed me again and said he had seen her as an adult. So she would be like twenty. He had seen his daughter as an adult and coerced her into having sex with him to get over the abuse that she had experienced as a child. And so went back to prison and, and, you know, had spent all this time in prison and gotten treatment and done all of these things. And then you're just trying to put a put a bow on it. Right. That's so fucking sick. It is sick. What? what, How about um, relationship with. Um, abuse. There's there's a situation that I'm aware of, uh, a friend of a friend, who um, basically there was an accusation that the dad may have done something untoward with the son, because the son one I think he like he uh, I don't want to say the thing, but there was just an action, and 
and they're like, you know, how did you learn that or what, you know, whatever it was. And it just created this um, cycle of kind of accusations that a lot of people never believed and felt like the, um, the, the woman was a little batty maybe and, you know, whatever. And now in the present, he, the son and the dad are very, very close. And I mean in a non you know, there's nothing creepy mm-hmm. about it and all that stuff. And does that give any indication to you or do people who are victimized by people often stay, you know, whatever? Yeah. And yes, in particular. And and in some ways, there's re- they want that like reunification of family systems, too. I mean, that's what you're working towards. And so um, when I was doing outpatient, I was also working in, with a juvenile sex offender population. And oftentimes they were removed from the home. And then I was trying to get them back in the home and integrate the home. And in some cases, the victim lived in the home. Um, and so that's the thing about sexual abuse is that even when it happens, you still have family systems that you can, you hope can heal from that. You hope can move on from that and, and still stay intact and still be close. Um, okay. Have you ever, have you ever seen a, an obese rapist? Yes. <laughs> really? really? Yes. And that's what I, I thought they'd be too tight. Oh my God. There's some that are so. I'm, I'm trying to be really kind, but there's some that are so nasty and so gross. And um, there's particularly like one guy who had the worst mouth ever. His teeth were awful. He, his gums were receding. He just, you know, and um, he would talk about orally raping a young girl. Shut Do you find head. like that the people that are like you're saying, some are just physically just repulsive because they can't get, they have to forcibly take it? No, I don't no. know if there's any connection to them. I don't know if you can make a connection to those things. Cause, Never mind. Because I feel like there's someone for everyone. So yeah. even some this of them have have significant <laughs> others or there's, you know, there's someone sure. who come. One of the classes I taught was for significant others. And so they would have to come and meet with me and we would talk about how to supervise their partner. So in That's s- amazing to me that there's women out there that are like, deal with it. dokie. What, what can yeah. I do to help yeah. them? Just I'd go like, be like, well, he raped, the- he raped my sister and yeah. now it's something we do deal with yeah right it's um, unbelievable how about um you alluded to it but the uh woman on man rapist yeah that was i was victim to yeah that was um (laughs) did she have stretch marks (laughs) i should just say up front she was a person with a developmental disability Uh, and so she was very i was raped by a a retarded person yeah she she was very low functioning i'm sorry yeah she was very low functioning um apparently pretty good at one thing and she probably she probably Wait, sought hold on. out. Was he as well? No, he was not. But he was younger, and he was like, she probably <laughs> developmentally was at <laughs> a stage that he me. was at, right? And so it was more of like they were meeting They're on equals. that. So yeah. don't you think when you deal with developmentally disabled people, they've probably experienced that, or no? I mean, where do they know? I mean, yeah, in some in some cases, yes. In some cases, no. They're experimenting with it. They're just like, like in the regular. Yeah, or? they're just like feeling that out and and happen to like connect. <laughs> what was the age? <laughs> people that are there. Um, I think she was in her early 20s and he was 14, 13 or 14. But honestly, now you, I can't, you know, the news is constantly 23-year-old teachers, like having sex with 15-year-old, 16-year-old. It's happened, and they're like good-looking, 
well, not that that matters, but you know, like well-adjusted, college-educated women that seem to have it together and are sleeping with their, you and know, that young happens, students. That happens in a prison too, and so there's yeah. therapists who, you know, I've been I've been at facil- facilities where that has been happening where. So that was one of my really inappropriate questions okay. because so obviously this is with the uh, thing that human sexuality is bizarre and it can strike you in weird ways and whatever and that was a real thing that i wondered is have you ever heard uh, whatever any story more i was more thinking like the rape stuff but that you kind of got a twinge of like oh that was kind of hot <laughs> she's not gonna say I, yes was to i that. ever turned on by something i've heard the guy with the receding gum or how about this right. no no, no. how about this stop stop dismissing guys you're just scared yeah how yeah. about this have you ever even yes. just been even felt a twinge of attraction to a rapist. Yes. Yes? Yes. I would say yes. Yep. Yep. I wouldn't say that I've ever been turned on. Can you make on. more noise, Colleen? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I, don't, I wouldn't say, right. I I wouldn't say I've been straight on, turned on, but yes, there's attractions. And certainly yeah. um, that's just it where it's like the whole idea that I am somehow a mirror for them means that in, in some way we are having like a therapeutic intimate exchange. And that no goes question. on for a long period of time. Um, and so, yes, I have found myself. So what do you do to, to, I tell someone, yeah. tell someone your husband, probably, huh? Probably not. My probably husband. not him. <laughs> no, <laughs> don't do that. No. That won't help no. anything. No, don't That's tell a him. secret you keep locked up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't want him to worry about yeah. that happening more, right. but, um, no, your colleagues, your other women, we, I mean, we, you have these really candid discussions. One of the things that uh, we would talk about when I was pregnant is we would always play a game if you were stuck in the prison, who do you want to deliver? And a sex offender has to deliver your child, who do you pick? Oh, my God. Is it kind of like marry, screw, kill? <laughs> yeah, kind of, yeah, yeah, yeah. Kind Fuck of myself. Some, yeah, yeah kind of like that, that you're trapped in the prison. Who's yeah. delivering your child? And um, Larry. I went always with the pedophile farmer because I figured that he would have, you know, experience birth. Right, husband, right. Husbandry. And he's Animal not, like, husbandry. really into my vagina. So that oh. was... What, uh... Let's see. I'm just trying to think of my gross ones that I didn't ask at the end. Um, child sex dolls we talked about. Oh, this is one. Whose personality do you generally like better between child molesters and rapists? <laughs> There's real... so personality disordered. Do you know people who have like legitimate personality disorders? Yes. Yes. Um, people who have commit sex offenders have have a higher propensity for personality disorders. So. Um, all of them have sometimes very significant impairment in that area, and they can be very um, annoying. Yeah. <laughs> um, and and manipulative. Yeah. And lie mm-hmm. and really think that they ha- they're running a good game and be the dumbest right. person ever. Right. Um, and so the ones that I really struggle with are the super narcissistic ones who are really not that smart and yeah. really haven't done that whole a whole lot of stuff. But they're, you know, they're awesome dads and they're in prison. And right, like, right. I, you know, I. Yeah, those two things don't go together. No. Buddy. <laughs> Do you see? So my, whatever impulse is to see child molesters, in only in the slightest sense as victims, where I look at rapists as just evil criminals sort of mm-hmm. do you share any of that or do you view them all the same i don't know i sort do you of get think where I, I'm, yeah where I, I think that? where you're going and you're and again it's that hierarchy and sort of the idea of it i think it's all pretty bad i think that when you impact a child that's pretty 
grievous. In I that think the result is worse. Yeah. I just view them as mentally ill is what I'm saying. The, like, the pedophiles? I view pedophiles as mentally ill more so. But then when she just said, what, you said 20% haven't been molested. So yeah. I think there was part of me where you, you want to have compassion, but you're like, no, there's no coming back from ruining a child's life. But then... Now that I hear that 20% of them, because you, you, I always just assume, well, someone molested them. That's why they're yeah. like But they can that. still be mentally ill without being molested, you know. I don't know. Yeah, there is, a, there is a certain element of mental illness, and there's a certain element of addiction that you have to, you know, sort of, and trauma. I think trauma is yeah. a huge Wouldn't one, Wouldn't you too. say that in general with the, the prison population, there's some level of a personality disorder or mental illness that you, there's a lack of empathy or compassion or when you're murdering and robbing and even, because normal people would be like, even if you don't plan on shooting people, you're scaring the crap out of them and they think they're going to die. I would leave going, I feel really bad for, mm-hmm. I don't know, I just think there's some level, there's a detachment that allows you to to go to that next level because most people don't right and so be it that they were raised in a way that they didn't they didn't certain neurons didn't connect in their brains and learn empathy or those kind of things it's on some level a mental illness of of some sort yeah yeah it's not normal yeah it isn't yeah do do you um okay here i'm gonna ask some we should be wrapping up here i know you have to get home (laughs) and i don't know what time it is even um We'll we will tell you after. So I'll ask just a few quick ones, and then and then Tevin, do you want to be ready for the oh, I was the, born ready. the viewer I questions? St- I okay, stay ready. So these are just the last one. I'm just emptying out the notebook here. Um, do, let's see. Okay, do you believe in pure evil then? Like just that people like this guy is born evil, like no no nurture. It's just nature. He was born evil. And he and he doesn't feel bad. He just does that stuff. Do you believe that that exists in the world? Pure evil. Mm-hmm. Like you know that these yeah, people yeah. are just the bad seed. Yeah. Um. No. No. I'm gonna say that I do believe that people are born generally good, and that more of their nurturing in the early years has. Something to in do. impact on their on the trajectory of what choices they're going to make, like a predisposition to alcoholism or like something like that or drugs. Don't uh, you think people are born neutral? Yeah, kind of. Uh, like yeah. Not, no one's born good because yeah. I think yeah. babies I think in general they're, they're selfish. I, Baby, yeah, but you know, but you know what I mean. You don't have to teach them no, yeah. you don't hit no, be nice, be gentle. I think yeah. they're just neutral, and yeah. you have to teach them of the ways because we're very primal. Yeah, but is there like some predisposition? position towards violence maybe maybe sometimes you know and then does that make someone evil if you're violent at a young age if you're killing animals and Mm -hmm. doing that sort of thing at a young age does that make you evil you're on your way how about um have you ever seen a a a gay rapist who is a bottom so it's like he likes to bend over so he just puts a gun over his head like dress it on his head and like fuck me I can't no. believe you didn't okay. put this on a listener's no. question. Oh, okay. <laughs> no, no, that was my that's question. Like that I was said, my though, first question. That's I like I said, I've only ever question. treated one man who stranger raped other men. Um, a man that would identify as homosexual that would go attack other men that are homosexual? No, never. How about who is the most surprising rapist or or pedophile, I guess, for that matter? The one, the infant. 
that's the ones that really surprised me that, that you would, oh the guys who would, would rape no, rape no the infants aren't raping no the, right. guy, the men that just a way on infant rape, that infant here raping rape people. infants or was such. there anyone so have you had someone come into a room where you go like oh like good looking charming put together oh and then he raped an infant well can like, I just yes? say it? Yes. no oh no God. no the guy that when I, the thing I just talked about that happened this summer the boyfriend they had the mug shot a decent looking guy right. I mean not yeah. a, not an unattractive right. man right. and it's just like it, it those are the things like I don't know how you hear what is that in those guys yeah it, that you don't you just don't recover like that it, it's that gross it's gross and it's like when we even when you mention it like I can like it's coming to me like I I know what he did and I yeah. can think about it and that vision is there and those ones like are the ones that stick with me that bother me and those and there's certain John like the infant ones oh. and the. I don't even know I mean, what in, you know, and my elderly my detail, women oh. when elderly women are violently raped, yeah. that one, those ones really bother me too. Where they're yeah. broke, you know, a guy broke into an apartment. He was looking for money, for twenty bucks for heroin. Mm. You know, knocked down an eighty-seven-year-old woman, broke her hip, and raped her. Ugh. You know, and she's not moving, and and you know, dies years later because she, or a couple years yeah. later because she broke her hip. And, yeah, hmm. probably just a really sexual person. <laughs> I just like when people say that when they say I'm a really sexual person. Sex addict. Um, and then, uh, have you ever heard the phrase "rape artist"? No. Oh, it's an old like one from the '40s. They'd say, "Ah, oh, you better watch out for him. He's a rape artist." <laughs> but I like that they put "artist" on the end of it, like because he's like going to trick you. Yeah, it's a you know, craft. Like he's, oh, sure. Like it's, sure. it kind of gives way to the old ravishing. Like they used to call rape just. He just ravished her. Yeah, sure. Now it's now they blow their whistle and make all hell break loose. Was that a legal term, rape artist? No, it's just something uh, that they I say. How creative they were. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's... Not, not your garden variety. Yeah, he was a rape no. artist. He's a I've never had a guy. So shockingly, I've never had a guy say something like that. Like that seems like something that a narcissist would. Say. Absolutely, he's a rape <laughs> artist. Never, yeah, yeah, he's a rape artist. His but... way of getting in there. Absolutely. Do they ever justify saying that she didn't not want it? Oh yes, that's just like oh, one yeah. of their main things. Oh, is yeah. like it, she was enjoying it. It wasn't. That's the other really disturbing one that sticks with me is that and and they'll get called on it um, by their other group members. So often they're saying something in group, they're putting it out there, but they're all watching me because they want to know what is her what's Frankie's reaction to what I'm going to say or what this guy is going to say. How is she going to react to that? Because then I'll know how she's going to react to my situation. So when they say I brought her to climax. When they're talking about raping a woman, and you're just that's your jaw dropped over your jaw, which is sort of what you have to prevent yourself from doing because you don't want to just come all guns mm-hmm. blaring like what the fuck was that? And yeah. you're totally an asshole for talking like that. Well, I raped her in the park, and she was a squirter, of course. <laughs> it's like, so when they use terms like "I brought her to climax," that's, that's creepy and. What are ones that have stuck oh. out in your mind as the most ridiculous narcissism like that? Like, I mean, is it that? Yes. Basically? Yes. Yeah. It's like, yeah, it's like pretty much like I'm a womanizer and what I'm doing um, is a good thing. Is a good yes. thing. And these women really want that. And... A womanizer. That is so fucking crazy. Yeah. Are there women that you believe who just as a mental, like they're fucked up in the head, um, I don't want to even say that. that yeah, they like being raped. I, and <laughs> and I don't mean there. that. I don't mean that like like being raped, fault. but like that they put themselves in a victim situation and want to be a victim for the attention for the whatever it is. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Have you ever experienced that? Let's just no. no, no I, but, no, I wish I hadn't of, said it. But but, but <laughs> kind of. But that. kind of. I think 
Yes, because would it be like similar to the people that accuse somebody, like a professional athlete, of raping them when it didn't happen just for their five minutes of fame type of thing? Yeah, would that kind of fall into that category? In charge, and like so, I'm in prison. I'm seeing people who are convicted and charged. In outpatient, I'm seeing people who are convicted and charged, but on pro parole or probation. So, in those instances, it's like he said, she said, and there's no real, you know solid information one way or another but there are you know speaking of this the athletes like kobe bryant like that guy was accused of a really serious rape like she was seriously raped and injured like there was major injury to that woman and we don't talk about that and he was not convicted of that and it's just so you know you know uh what i'm really guilty of is the bill clinton thing so I was very much in the whole like, oh, Bill, you know, guy, he probably got yeah. some pussy. It's that so whatever. He's a puss hound a little bit, yeah. blah, blah, blah. And I really, I really downplayed that a lot. And then I watched, I don't even know how I got on it, but it was a YouTube video. And it was a woman who yeah. claimed she raped him like back when he was early, early governor yeah. invited to the hotel. And to watch that woman tell that story. Oh. I mean, you just go. Oh, not there's not there's not an actress in the world who can do that. There was two, so another you just one go, just like that. Oh, he's a fucking rapist. Yeah. And we've all been like, oh, he's playing the saxophone. Look at that rapist no, play this. But saxophone. he likes my things he's that a, I yeah. like in politics. Yeah, he's so. a real rape artist, isn't he? Yeah, he's yeah. a rape artist. <laughs> that, yeah. Yeah. that is the yeah, rape right. artist. He's a Clintonian level rape but it, artist. But it's funny to me, and it is stunning to me, how many feminists. Well, like Gloria Steinem herself had said, well, she she what she said was just so offensive on so many levels to a victim. And it was um, basically like, oh, well, he didn't go through with it. Like after she said, no, he didn't like, like whatever. He didn't I ejaculate want. in right. her or something yes, like that. It was the, like, oh, you're, what a gentleman. Yeah. Oh, yeah. good deed. It oh, was so just you guys stunning. are saying that he's just, I guess I should just come then because I'm already guilty in your eyes. Yeah, it, it's, it's, it was crazy. So I just, I, I do find that funny that people that are just staunch feminists are like, yay. All right. Tevin, how about the viewer mailbag? <laughs> right. Um, I think we covered pretty much everything. We Ooh. covered the sex doll. I didn't question. ask one very pivotal one. How much money do you make a year? Or did you make a year in this job? Not a lot. You must make not, six not, figures. No, <laughs> hell no. Um, I think at the most I made maybe sixty-five thousand a year. But there was areas of the state where uh, you know I'd look at jobs or whatever. Um, North Dakota needed sex offender therapists. Because of the uptick mm-hmm. in men that were the coming, oil, st- the yeah. oil stuff, the boom, and so there you could make six figures. Wow! So depending on areas where there might be sex more need, ther- we like have a therapists need. and prostitutes could make six figures mm-hmm. in the North Dakota area. It, it really <laughs> is. It, it really is a circle. <laughs> yeah, you know, it so, feeds itself. Yeah. Otherwise, there's not a ton of money in in the field. The place that I worked outpatient in out west was a for-profit agency. And so the men were expected to pay for treatment, and they were also expected to um, – we had, like, a shared living arrangement. And so we would expect them to find an apartment with another sex offender. And so then they had to pay <laughs> – How's that for looking, like, in the The ad? not odd couple. Yeah. <laughs> like, who else could you guys be yeah. friends with? Because there was some there's some He's research. a slob. <laughs> He's a rapist. Yeah. He is, too. We're <laughs> both rapists. And messy. That together there'd be more accountability and so that they would rat on each other before they got to the point. And so there was 
um, the idea that they were that the community was safer if we had them living together and holding each other. Do you other. find that that's a good match to accountability, or you would think that it's kind of back to finding someone that has that same like thing? Like they could fall into each other the yeah. same way, just like drug addicts. There's so or- much. There's so many things built into that, you know, that they get to a certain point where they're able to get an apartment and they're able to do that sort of thing, that there's this accountability that they want to keep that, too. And so, you know, there is some level of. How about this? If if your husband owned a construction crew um, and you heard that he was hiring a former rapist on his crew. I mean, are are you, com- you know, let's say they have casual contact with you or your family or whatever. Are you, you know, are you comfortable with that? Yes. And, and. Um, there was a man who came to speak to the prison one time and he talked about, um, it was a program that supported people who were coming out of prison. So not specific to sex offenders, but just in general felons coming out of prison. And, you know, he really reiterated the idea that we as a community are much safer if we keep these people in our folds, you know, if Mm -hmm. we keep them close to us, if we watch them, if we invite them to come to our churches, if we invite them to be a part of our community and then we watch and, um, I really do believe that. I believe that if, you know. You can't put them off and on right, their own. Right, and and that it would be totally reasonable that if, like, a level three sex offender moved into my neighborhood that I would show up and I would say, I know what you have been convicted of. I know what your, you know, history involves, and I'm watching you. Um, and I do have children, and I've been watching you very closely. But that I think by keeping people in the shadows and keeping them in the dark and, and treating them as if they're monsters lends to itself mm-hmm. being I can actually remember a, fa- a family friend of ours like just people that we knew had a letter in the mail that a, a, a sex offender was moving into the neighborhood and it was a weird it was like one of those 17 to 30 you know like a, a teenage kind of sure. thing but man the aggressiveness and the take them down attitude I remember feeling uncomfortable about it. I'm like well I mean, it's a different. You got to look at it all for what it is, instead of just being like they're all the same. Yeah, and it, yeah. it just seems weird. And there's different like models for it. There's a there's a fork. documentary called Pervert Park, which is about a place in Florida. It's a trailer park that is only available for sex offenders. You've seen that? It's on Kevin? Netflix. No, yeah. I almost Kevin just perked yeah. up almost, like a mother. No, because I was, no, I was I just going there. through. Yeah. I was just going through documentaries yeah. on Netflix, and that was one of them that came it's up. A, it's a really interesting one that sort of challenges the idea of like. Uh, are, I've seen it, that. It's a parking lot that they all trailer park I have okay oh I I swear there's one no I swear there's one where it's a parking lot where people can park their cars overnight so a whole bunch of pedophiles and rapists gather there because the cops it's like a known thing I have not I don't know anything about that I know that that. exists god damn someone write in about it this is a park where they run it then too you know so the documentary really showed that you know the men that are part of their own rehabilitation in some ways are now managing this park and trying to build a community but God, that makes me feel weird about what uh, what I named my house. Pervert Park. Pussy Central. <laughs> but, you know, it's a more sexual, it's a sexy thing for my wife just to know that she lives at Pussy Central, you know. But anyway. What about your daughter? <laughs> oh, I don't have a daughter, just sons. He loves it. He, he doesn't it speak English his... <laughs> yet, but when he does, Pussy Central will be the first thing he says. <laughs> Mama. Daddy, that's <laughs> essential. <laughs> all right, viewer mail. Kevin, anymore? <laughs> no, no, we we literally covered all of them. Unless Did we? people sent you. How about some shout outs ones? to the good? I know um, Maria 
Um, a is the who one who asked. Hang on. No, no, she does because she did. She's the one who brought the child sex dolls to our attention. <laughs> Thanks, Maria. Mm-hmm. Maria. Yeah. Uh, Maria from Lionel Lakes. <laughs> <laughs> Maria. Maria from Lionel Lakes. A child fuck doll. Thank you. Thank you. Daryl and Mark also got their questions answered all, all over right. the course of, of a show. Well, thanks everyone for asking anyway. My wife, damn it, <laughs> she's going to be pissed. I know it's a bad viewer mailbag, but whatever. I'm going to, Mrs. Noah, I, I got to go home to this woman, okay? So let me the, try. This is the one show I wouldn't want shout outs from. <laughs> right. Don't say that. Except on the for show. shout outs for Tiffany. For and asking <laughs> about child molesters. Tiffany asked. <laughs> If I'm getting from wet from this show, Andover. So is there any like over-the-top like rationale that guys have given you for like what justifies them being okay with what they do? Or, like, is there any guys that are like, no, this is fine, this is normal? Uh, sometimes they'll say that you know, like what, like I said earlier, where that women wanted it that way, that okay. maybe they were engaged in some sort of role play or some sort of like, you know, dominant. You know, my role is you rapist. be the, you be the <laughs> you know, guy that, that came through artist. my window. Yeah. yeah, that she wanted that. Yeah. That she, you know, I think for a lot of men, in my experience, fantasies do involve that it would be where they maybe are inflicting some force, and there's not total consent, but then a woman decides that she really likes it. That that's oh, a fantasy. So that, there's yeah. one of my favorite movies. In fact, the movie that oh boy. The movie that we <laughs> sample in the t- top of this podcast the, has yeah. one of the only scenes in t- cinema history where the guy it starts as a rape and then he turns the tide and then all of a sudden what she loves it? it. It's called Russ Meyer's Lorna, and it oh. really is a great book. Bo- it's not about that. Yeah. It's just it's yeah. from the fifties, so there's like this. Yeah. It's like a romantic rape, like a ravishing. Like like you a guys cl- have been Clint ravished. Clint like a rape artist. Kind of like, yeah, yeah, like, rape artist. like you grab that dumb broad by her shoulders and you lay a hard kiss on her and she pushes you away and slaps you and you go, ah, you need another one, don't you? Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden she submits But to I you. even remember that in um, Mad Men. There was a scene where, I can vividly remember a scene where he walks up behind a, a woman and like lifts her dress up and like, you know, penetrates her from behind and mm-hmm. there's no consent and he is clear and that that's just depicted. Well, like, that was the time, like you think about like one of the most beloved, the my favorite days. movie <laughs> in the world, days. It's a Wonderful Life. And I think actually the mo- one of the most romantic I'm going to start saying that during sex. When, when she's shaking life. her. And he's like, I don't want to marry you, and I don't want... And he's shaking her, and she's like, no, no. And then he just mouth kisses her, and then they get married. Yeah. That's the next scene. It's just yeah. so violent, and he's so, So like, you can see how this is sort of, you know, the yeah. idea is planted that women will enjoy this at some point, yeah. and if you just do it long enough or... As long as it's Jimmy Stewart. Or if you do it enough, cool. you'll find one that will. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. So it's just a weird way to look for love. <laughs> this has been very fun. Thank you very much. You're very Frankie, welcome. you're uh, great. I'm sure uh, viewers will have more questions and maybe someday come back and answer. I would love something. to. So thank you. This has been great. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Thanks for listening, everybody. All right, that was our episode. Thank you guys very, very much for listening. We really appreciate it. Uh, what did I screw up this episode? How have I forgotten questions? What would you like to criticize about me? Hit us on Facebook and Twitter and let us know. We also will oftentimes post the guests that we're having that week coming up. And it's really fun because people will go on and ask questions and do part of my job for me. And we appreciate that. So uh, keep rating and sharing and subscribing. We appreciate everything. Thank you.